everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Playing Around. Teddy, before we get into everything, let's just catch up a little bit because you had a month in Mexico, now you're back in Chicago. How is that? I I heard it snowed a little bit while I was gone. There were rumors (laughs) of like three feet of snow and um, wind chill, minus 20. It seems perfectly pleasant to me. Landed, it was about 45 degrees, very little snow, so... um, yeah, most people, uh, my friends in Chicago, completely hate me. I was in uh, Cabo for the month of February. Totally my wife's idea. She is the genius of the house. And um, hopefully I have a little tan that's still going. But uh, back to reality now in Chicago. Um, but good to be with you again, Paige. I am actually happy you're back because I don't have to look at your ugly ass golf swing anymore. <laughs> I mean, what is up with that takeaway? It's like Jim Furyk on steroids. <laughs> Well, it's good if I'm on steroids because I could probably use the extra boost that way. So that part is good. Um, hey, Jim Furyk, I was there at Conway Farms when the man shot 59. So, you know, unusual swings can produce good numbers. I shot 37 on the front of my last round, 45 on the back. So anyway, <laughs> so there's potential there, but this is why I need you. You need me, I think, for occasional tips on sports betting. And I need you for social media advice and a lot of golf tips. I mean, if you think my swing is bad, my putting is even worse than my swing. Oh, no. I don't even know if I want to see that after seeing your golf swing. I don't know. If you saw, I I had like an eight-footer for eagle. 
I hit driver three wood to like eight feet. And uh, so I'm telling you, there's there's a, a little bit of potential there. <laughs> well, I had a busy weekend too. Lots of traveling, shot a commercial, which is pretty exciting in North Carolina. Then we drove to Virginia and uh, did some stuff with X-Golf there. So I am a little tired, <laughs> not going to lie. But, you know, I've been... I've been doing this thing where I've been trying to do no sugar because I feel like when I have a lot of sugar, my anxiety gets really bad and I get anxious. And oh my gosh, I just let it fly this weekend. I ate so much sugar and I I like, I'm an addict. Like it's really bad. Like I, I, I relapsed and I just like was at the airport and I was like, give me this and give me that. And I need more, 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 more sugar. So now I'm back on the grind, but it's tough. It is tough to like, be focused on that. I don't know if you have an issue with that, with like a food issue, but man, I cannot say no to sugar. So I can say no to sugar, but I cannot say no to bacon. So I <laughs> have an addiction. I'd say to bacon, um, chips and salsa, probably Cape Cod potato chips. I could go several weeks without dessert. I could survive without that. But oh my God, I need the salty. Um, now I noticed in your content a few weeks ago, yeah, you were having, it was like page confession time and I was waiting for something really bad. And it was like, guys, I had some chocolate. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. I think you're allowed to have chocolate and sweets, Paige. What are you starving yourself for? Come on. Definitely not starving myself, but I think it's really difficult being on social media and having people always critique everything that you do and especially the way that you look. And that's partly on me because I've created my brand on an image. And so I have to keep up that image. And I think as I'm getting a little bit older, my metabolism isn't as fast as good as it used to be. And so I notice now that it's like, I don't have the ability to eat whatever I want and still yes. look the way that I want to look. And so it's like, I'm trying to limit the sugar, not just for, you know, aesthetics, reasons or purposes, but because, you know, I feel better when I don't have as much sugar. And I think that's a really big thing. And I've been trying to like run more and have more outlets in my life because, you know, I'm, I'm working a lot now. I'm stressed a lot of the times and I, I like stress eat sugar, but no, it's like, it's hard too, because people are always like, you need to look a certain way, act a certain way. And so it's always like that constant, you know, pressure on your body image. I don't know if you've ever faced that. I don't think guys ever really talk about that either. And I think it is actually like a problem. Like guys yes. still want to look good, but it's always the opposite of like, I always want to be lean and skinny and smaller. And guys always want to be like bigger and you, you never want to call a guy like skinny or, oh. you know, like lean. That's like the worst thing ever. Yes. Yes. Please feel free to call me thin, but I hate skinny. Obviously yeah. scrawny <laughs> is horrible. Um, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of guys my age and, and they call themselves skinny fat. <laughs> so the dad bod, <laughs> certainly the dad bod. Yeah. I mean, um, I can certainly understand that, but I think speaking on behalf of your 3 million Instagram followers that you should just relax a little bit. Um, don't stress about how you look. You look great. Everybody knows that. And it sounds like you enjoy running as much as I do. I run maybe mm, once a year. And that's about enough for me. I will, you know, on the golf course, I want to walk. Like I always feel there's a sense of, sense of satisfaction when you walk, because then even if you shoot 92 or 93 and you're disappointed in your score, you can still call up the health app and see your stats <laughs> and see that you've walked six miles. So you're like, okay, today wasn't a complete zero. 
Yeah, I think I want to get into running just not long distance, but I want to be able to consistently run a pretty fast mile. And that's what I've been doing mm. every day is just running a mile every day. But I was really interested by the feedback I got from a lot of people when I was talking about no sugar and running. And a lot of people had the same issues and problems that I did too. And so now we've kind of created this community of like, I'm trying to do like a motivational Monday where I talk about my goals and have it be a little bit more positive because I don't think people talk about it enough. And especially because I have such a large male audience, I want them to feel like they're being heard and seen as well, because I do think there's a lot of body image issues and, you know, dealing with certain things around guys that maybe they're just too afraid to talk about. I think a lot of people are too afraid to talk about because it's almost superficial if you care about how you look. And I don't think people ever really want to like mention that. And again, yeah, like I shouldn't be obsessed with the way I look, but I'm not obsessed with it. But I think there is some kind of pride with, you know, carrying yourself well and wanting to look good. And, you know, first impressions are really important and how people see you affects, you know, everything else in your life. And so trying to like turn it into a positive, but that's what kind of what I've been dealing with. But while I was busy, we had some insane news in the golf world. I mean, I feel like everyone's world was just rocked when Tiger Woods got in his car accident. Yeah, it's so true. I I found out in like the worst possible way. So I'm on like a group text with a couple buddies and somebody sends a message and it says um, uh, it was like a bad Tiger joke. It was like, hey, should Tiger have left driver in the bag? And then parentheses too (laughs) soon. And I'm looking at what he sent me, and it was the statement from, I guess, the L.A. Sheriff's Department. And I thought it was fake because it was in, like, the green and yellow master's colors. So I'm looking at this. I'm like, what am I even looking at? So then I switched to the Golf Channel, and there was nothing on it on Golf Channel. So I'm like, what's happening here? And then, of course, you go to Twitter, and you start to see, oh, my God, this is real. And I guess my my first two reactions were like, one, I hope he's okay. And two, I hope that alcohol and prescription painkillers were not involved because, man, for any of like Tiger fans or just for people who have a love of humanity, that's what you hope. Because, you know, how that HBO documentary started out uh, with Tiger after he was arrested, we don't want to see anything like that again. It was really scary. And when I think everyone first heard the news, it was pretty vague with the details that were coming out. You heard the jaws of life were used and it almost felt like the Kobe incident all over again. Almost an anniversary, right? It was just really eerie with, you know, they just showed the picture of the car, not really any information on his status or how he was doing, just that he was in surgery. And I think everyone rightfully so freaked out i mean our hero our golf hero could potentially not be around anymore and that was really really scary to think about it it was one of those moments where you just kind of like stop and (laughs) think about your own life and everything that you're doing and what's going to happen if tiger woods you know isn't around anymore and so luckily i think this was probably the best case scenario where you know he seems to be doing much better from the news and you know, what everyone's saying, but you're right. Those, those kind of like conspiracy theories of, you know, what happened to tiger. And I think a lot of the first reaction was 
maybe prescription pills, especially coming off of that back injury. So great to right. hear that that was not, you know, an issue. And it's sad that that's kind of the first thing that people thought of too. And I got a lot of comments saying, you know, was it a suicide attempt? Was it, you know, this or was it that? And it was really sad to hear that people were taking this accident and turning it into this like huge story. Right. It wasn't. He just he got in a car accident. And I think that's what's so sad about social media is that people weren't they were saying that was karma. <laughs> and oh. you know, I I was I tweeted about it and I got so many really surprising sad responses to it. And it's just scary to hear about how people were viewing the the accident and how negative it was. Yikes. I didn't see any of that, man. People were saying it was karma because of the stuff in 09 and 2010. And <laughs> yeah. Yikes. That's mean. <laughs> God, you gotta, you gotta start muting and blocking people. Man. There is, uh, we, we see so much of that on Twitter. And I think we'll talk about that with Max Homa where like, the one to two to three percent crazies um, just end up getting a lot of the attention, but yeah, I mean, look, there's a report in uh, in a newspaper today, uh, a New York newspaper. Maybe we, we won't uh, specifically cite, but you know, there's speculation about. I mean, why were there no skid marks? Why were there no? Why was there no breaking? I mean, it's so unusual. Sort of look. I think a lot of us are guilty of texting and driving. Um, so I think we all understand. We've all had those moments where for a split second, you look up and you're like, oh my God, I'm on the shoulder. Thank God. I'm, I'm, you know, okay. We don't have those moments where we literally cross over into the median and our car ends up flip, uh, ends up flipping. So we do need to look into this. And honestly, the guy should not be driving a car anymore. Do you understand this page? I mean, why do rich people drive cars? Like, Tiger is amazing in so many things, but he should not be behind a wheel at this point. He should have Jeeves or somebody driving him around to all these places. It's a better use for his time anyway. This is one of the things I one of the things I do not get about rich people. Well, I thought I want to get your perspective on this, you know, the journalist in you. So I've noticed when people are asking these kind of hard questions that they're almost being like canceled by other people by even insinuating that this was a problem or this is something that you need to look into. Do you feel that that's a problem that you can't even ask the hard questions anymore without people thinking that you're going to be canceled or that you're insensitive during this time? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. So I was covering baseball like during the steroid era, you know, and Sammy Sosa was blowing up every year, getting larger and larger and Barry Bonds's head was growing. (laughs) And years later, there was certainly a sense of how did you guys not ask more questions about this? Why didn't you guys figure this out? All right. And I I understand that perspective. I can tell you as somebody who was covering baseball every day, it was just not something you could do. Like if I asked Sammy Sosa why he missed the cutoff, man, he would get pissed at me. Let alone if I say, hey, Sammy, I noticed you're 40 pounds heavier than you were. (laughs) Can you explain this? So it was a difficult thing to do. Like we needed Balco and we needed subpoenas and, and we needed all these things for the truth to come out. So then I did notice that there were people who were upset that the media, you know, were asking the police, hey, was alcohol involved? Like, that's our job. We have to ask these questions. So, you know, it's that old thing like, don't shoot the messenger. So don't say, you know, we weren't tough enough during steroids and we're being too tough now. This is what everyone is wondering. And part of it is too, like, I think just from a public safety perspective, 
Like if that, if that roadway, if that area is so unsafe that a completely sober driver just drives off the road, I think we probably need to know and we need to make some more changes and put a real median there. So yeah, I mean, again, Twitter, man, <laughs> that angry 5% ends up getting a lot of attention. Yeah. Well, I think this is the big question is, do you think that Tiger is going to be okay? Will he ever play golf again? I think that's the question that everyone's asking right now. It really is. And I'd love your perspective on this too. I mean, obviously five back surgeries in, um, things were already really tenuous. Um, but you're talking to a guy who I had predicted like in, you know, 2014, 15, I had said, I think Tiger will win another tour event but I don't think he'll ever win another major. And then he went out and uh, won the tour championship. And we'll never forget that mob of people following him to the 72nd green. And then obviously the 2019 masters was incredible. Um, I'm guessing that if points bet was going to put odds on, on him ever <laughs> winning a major, it would be 40 to one. What do you think? I mean, look, I'm glad it's his right leg rather than his left. I feel like if it was his left, like his turning leg, then it would be even more in doubt. But a guy in his mid forties, post you know five back surgeries, and now this, oof! A couple of years ago, he couldn't even get out of bed. What do you think? I go back and forth because you look at everyone who counted him out, and then he won the 2019 Masters, and it was like the comeback of the century. Yep. And so it's like, of course, Tiger. If anyone can do it, Tiger can do it. But at the same time, his crew is notoriously known for being secretive. And there's part of me that maybe is thinking that there's more to it, or maybe he, who knows, like maybe his injuries are worse than they're saying, or maybe they're not as bad. So you're not going to know how he's doing until we see him again. And I think then that's the time where we can make the decision. It's like, okay, he is coming back or he's not coming back. I think that, again, this was a question that was also getting a lot of heat when you would ask if, if Tiger's going to come back to play golf. And they're like, no, 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 don't, don't talk about that. You just, be just happy make sure he can okay. hug his kids again. Yeah, right. which of course, yes. Like that's the most important thing. We're so happy yes. that he's able to do that again. But we all want to see Tiger playing and healthy and happy. And it's just, you look at his life and everything that he's been through and it's, it's sad. I just feel, I feel bad for him. Like he has been through so much shit in his life. Yeah. I mean, he's brought a lot of it on himself, but you can certainly <laughs> still feel bad for people like that. One thing, Paige, I certainly hope he's always able to play in the PNC event, the father-son. Yeah. I mean, the joy that, you know, he and Charlie brought to each other and that, you know, the viewing public, I mean, that was amazing. I, I mean, all the videos out there, I think there was like a five-minute compilation of father and son sort of mimicking each other. And of course the fist pump and the time on the range and all that. So hopefully he can at least play like casual semi-competitive golf. Can he beat these big guns on the PGA tour? I mean, wow, that is uh, extremely unlikely. Even you see a guy like Phil Mickelson who is healthy, but once you hit that certain age, I mean, he's not even close now. So yeah, if I were offering you, 50 to one tiger to win a major. Would you take the 50 to one? You got to take it. I mean, you got to <laughs> take it. I, I mean, if we thought the comeback in 19 was amazing, this comeback will be the comeback of all comebacks. He will yes. be considered the goat if he can come back and win, even if it's a tournament, 
or just be able yes. to play on the PGA Tour again. I think that would be a massive success. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary in indulges your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. talk about the reaction from everyone in the golf community and how they handled it at the tour event WGC because again it was a little odd I don't know it was just kind of weird it almost everyone wasn't on the same page and there was a lot of confusion and I think we could talk about the Max Homa incident on Twitter yes but it it wasn't like I almost feel like the tour if they wanted to to honor Tiger Woods, they would have handed everyone ribbons for him. I don't know. The black and red thing, it, like some people were doing it. Some people weren't doing it. I think it was right. kind of this weird like divide. And it wasn't because they didn't want to do it. It's because it was such a, like a last second thing and po- people couldn't get shirts in time. It just yeah. kind of turned into this huge deal that almost like took over what the whole meaning was. And that was to like show support to Tiger Woods. And it was almost like, if you didn't wear red on Sunday, then like, fuck you, you don't care about Tiger Woods. It was weird. (laughs) It was like the weird thing. Very weird. Um, And then Tiger came out with a statement, I think last night saying, thank you so much. You know, essentially it was, it was great seeing 
the red shirt. So it, it actually did mean a lot to him. Um, the Max Homa stuff was wild. Obviously he is, you know, I think the funniest man on the PGA tour on Twitter, he's experienced a lot of different things on Twitter. And he said, this was the weirdest reaction he'd ever gotten. You know, when he puts out that tweet saying, Hey, I'd love to wear red, but I don't have the shirt and I'm contractually, contractually obligated to have such and such logos. And people were still pissed at him like a decent number. I went through his replies last night. Hey buddy, you're a millionaire. Go to Dick's sporting goods. It's like, guys, you kind of don't really grasp the whole like golf business here. And by the way, Tiger didn't die. Okay. He broke his leg in a car accident. Like you're not spitting on him. If you don't wear red, I don't know if you're a Seinfeld fan page, but it, it reminded me um, of there's an episode where Kramer goes on an AIDS walk to support, but he refuses to wear a ribbon and he ends up like in a circle. He's being ganged up because people are so upset. Why do you refuse to wear the ribbon? It was like this Sunday. <laughs> Why do you refuse to wear red? I mean, all of a sudden it became a bad guy if you're wearing a blue shirt. Yeah, the reaction that Max Homa got was so surprising. One, I don't think people realize that when you are under contract with a clothing clothing company, you you don't have an option to wear right. something else. Not only was it just the shirt, but it has all the logos too. So he has like three or four logos put on his shirt. And before every single tournament week, these guys have their clothes sent to them, basically still in the wrappers. And that's the outfit that they're going to wear. And so, yes, yes, it was really easy for all the Nike sponsored athletes to wear Tiger Red because Tiger has only worn Nike. And if you're also a, a Nike sponsored athlete, you only have the swoosh. You don't have any other patches or anything on you. So yes, you yeah. can probably go out to Dick's Sporting Goods and like get a red shirt. People are like, well, Patrick Reed did it. Patrick Reed doesn't have a clothing sponsor. So <laughs> he can wear whatever he wants. Same with, you know, Justin Thomas now. So um, yes, of course, if you could do it, you probably should do it. But the reaction that Max got was like unbelievable. People were genuinely really upset about him and he, being the good guy that he is, he kept putting tweets out to it kind of explain where he's right. coming from. And it almost made it worse because people started to pick, nitpick at every little thing that he was saying. And it really pissed me off because yes. we constantly talk about athletes need to show more personality. We want them to be more active on social media. We want them to seem more real. And you have someone like Max who is so genuinely nice and he cares so much about, you know, connecting with people on social media. He doesn't have to do that. He he doesn't need it. He doesn't have to do it. He's doing it because he likes to do it. And it gives you guys an inside look. And so for them to then turn on him and say that what he was doing was like not okay. And he doesn't care about Tiger and all of this stuff. Shit like that makes good guys like Max not want to be on social media anymore. It's different for people who... Do this for a living. So my yeah. job is social media. So I know that when I say certain things, I'm going to get the good and the bad. These professional athletes, they don't have to do this. It's not an obligation for them to do this. And so when you when you pick apart every little thing that they say, and it's not just Max, it's like across all the board with all the professional athletes, even entertainers, it's just the things that they create to, you know, these trolls try to cancel these celebrities over is yeah. ridiculous. And I'm not saying... That if you're a public figure, that you don't – everyone has to agree with what you're saying. That's not what I'm saying. If you say something stupid on social media, you should be called out for it. 
But right. what Max did was a non-issue. It wasn't a big deal. It, it was just so stupid. So, so <laughs> stupid. And it drives me insane. How because you know what's you really going to happen feel? next week? is He's probably going to have his agent tweet for him. And you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, then you lose someone that's so great in golf because yeah. of like one little thing of people being stupid. Like stupid people ruin good things. So I think people <laughs> would be curious because you have a bit of a following. How often are you about to tweet something or post something on Instagram? And then like, do you have, do you have the good page and the bad page on your shoulders and is stuff like just right along the line? Do you ask yourself things before you post? And then ultimately, like if it's 50, 50, do you hold back or do you go ahead? Hmm. I would say before, if I ever had any doubt, I would not push send. So normally it's different for each platform. So on Instagram, usually I'm looking, is it too much cleavage? Is it too sexy? If it's too sexy, then I kind of think about him like, what, what am I trying to project? What am I trying to say here? And sometimes I'm like, fuck it. Like, I don't care. I'm going to post a bikini picture. Like I'm going to do what I want to do because I realized wearing a turtleneck or whatever, people are still going to call me a slut. So I might as well sex it up and have fun with it. And then on Twitter, (laughs) I was always so, so, so careful about what I said. I never wanted to piss anyone off. I just was pretty, you know, vanilla, uncontroversial. I didn't want to like say anything wrong. And then now I almost do it on purpose. Like I'll say things to start a conversation because that's fun. Like that's what Twitter is. And I feel like you have to lean into it. And that's where these guys get a little, I think, weary of Twitter because a nice guy like Max Homa, like yeah. he's probably not used to getting hate. And so when yeah. he gets a little bit of hate, it's really scary. And all of a sudden you think like everyone hates you and they're going to hate me forever. And then he starts like tweeting and tweeting and tweeting and making it worse. And what I do now is I lean into it. I know when I press send that I'm probably going to get a good amount of hate and that's yeah. fine. That's yeah. great, you know, because that's getting more engagement. And so sometimes I try to do that on purpose, but it takes years to get to that point. When I first started on social media, I was like that. I was so scared to get hate. And anytime I got a bad comment, I would delete a tweet or delete a picture and I didn't even want to deal with it. And now I'm like, bring it on. Like, let's, let's have some, right. yeah, like, let's have some fun with this. Like if you, what do they say? If you can't stand the heat, stay out of the kitchen. You yes. know, like I want that now. I want those conversations. I want people to troll me. I, I want it to be fun. Cause I think that's what you have to do on Twitter. You have to realize that there are trolls and there's people that are yeah. stupid. And so have fun with them. Like, so I'll be really sarcastic back. I'll fuck right. with them. And I think that's how you have to handle Twitter. But I have a different brand than a lot of people. So a lot of people don't have the luxury to say whatever they want to say. And you can't say things back to other people because you're more conservative sponsors. Like, oh, what are you doing? You know, I've definitely been in trouble a lot of times of things that I've said on Twitter or things that I post on Instagram. And I just don't give a shit anymore. You got to have the attitude of like Patrick Reed and the Ryder Cup, right? All these dudes hate hate me, especially if I'm in Europe. They all want me to make a triple and instead I'm going to make a 20 footer and I'm just going to start doing this. Yeah. I'm just going to start riling up the crowd, all that stuff. You know, I'm thinking about in the last, I think, 24, 36 hours, I'm friends with Dan Dockich, that college basketball broadcaster. And God, God, he says so much stupid stuff. I, <laughs> I, I love him. I think he's wonderful doing games, but 
he gets bored and he's admitted that he will just basically write totally incendiary controversial stuff on Twitter just out of sheer boredom and it gets himself in trouble. And now he's in trouble with ESPN. And I texted him last night and uh, there are just certain times where I want to be like, dude, just, you know, go 75%. Okay. You know, it's not worth like losing a job over. It's not worth having to, you know, pull yourself off Twitter. Right now he's got no Twitter account. It's kind of a long convoluted story. People can look it up if they want to, but you know, certain times you wish people would just tone it down. Now in terms of like Twitter hate, I don't know. I was, I was experiencing a little bit of the angry mob when, um, when your boy Cam Smith started struggling and um, I was getting the heat for it. I mean, the guy puts, I think five balls in the water and um, you were blaming me. What's up with that page? I hate you (laughs) so much. And we're going to talk about this after the break. So keep on listening. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. So, Teddy, I hate your guts, and I am honestly so mad at you because I had Cam Smith winning the WGC, and he was leading on Saturday, and then (coughs) 
full on choked. I mean, I was so excited. So I was flying and my friend Dan was texting me the whole time, keeping me updated. And he's like, Cam's winning. And we both had Cam. And so we were really excited. And all of a sudden he's like, okay, one ball in the water, two balls in the water, three balls in the water. I mean, it was so disheartening because I was on such a high. I have come off like two really great weeks. My <laughs> picks were doing well. I was feeling so confident. You're like, I'm a and fucking I, genius. I I'm cannot a be stopped. Fucking genius. <laughs> and I'm I'm picking Cam Smith off of just a gut feeling. Like <laughs> that is how good I am. And he is winning this tournament. And then <laughs> you tweet at me and say that Cam Smith is winning. And from that moment, <laughs> shit hit the fan. He <laughs> He literally choked. I, I like don't know what happened. And even the next day, he hit a ball to like a foot of the pin, almost pulled yeah. out, and it rolled in the water. It was like since that moment you said something, his whole whole round changed on Saturday and on Sunday too. I am like beyond upset about this. I'm shaken up, very shaken up about this because again, I was on this high, I was feeling confident, and now I'm rattled. My cage is rattled. Few things in my defense. First of all, I put out that tweet. It was an act of love and admiration. Here you go. You say, I'm feeling uh, like Cam is going to win this week. And he, he plays so well Thursday, Friday. So I put out the tweet as a sign of respect and admiration. Yeah, I was right. not trying to jinx this man. Somebody <laughs> very, very close to me had a Cam top 20 bet. And a page name event for him to finish as the low Aussie boosted from plus 300 to plus 350. So I was on the cam train. I was not trying to mess with you. But then once you said, uh, you know, I was the jinx, then (laughs) at a certain point, I was sort of starting to enjoy that. I was certain, you know, starting to think, wow, do I have that much power? You know, I mean, I I don't even have enough power to make my kids turn off their iPad. But do I have enough power? to jinx this man who is a couple time zones away. And um, did he lose five golf balls on Saturday? I, I, I'm glad he was yes. able to finish the round. Don't guys only carry like six with them? So I <laughs> I would always carry 12 golf balls in my bag because wow. I had this irrational fear of running out of golf balls. And so Poor I always Daddy. had to have 12 in my – oh, yeah, I always had 12 in my bag. Uh, but props to him. I mean, he finished out what, with a 67 on Sunday, got a top 10 yeah. finish. He was – Low Aussie. So, I mean, I made you some money, but it was so sad. I still, I, I just can't get over it because I thought he was going to win. And I t- let me tell you, Ty, I, I really think that I have like these gut instincts where like <laughs> I, I'm always led in the right direction. And, you know, I've been wrong once, twice, 10, Maybe. 20 times sure. regarding, you know, good guys that I was dating that I had, a, you know, a gut feeling about Ooh. and it just didn't end well. So maybe this was just one of those things when it comes to guys, gut feelings just out the window. <laughs> well, hopefully you think I'm a terrible guy and then you're wrong on that part, Paige. <laughs> I mean, I hate you now, so we're, yeah. we're in a good place. But let's talk about the WGC. Great. I lost all interest after that <laughs> Saturday round. <laughs> it's all about you. Huh? It's all about me. It's all about me. Anyone who listens to the podcast knows it's all about me. <laughs> But I lost a little interest after that because I wanted Cam Smith to win. So Call Morikawa uh, ended up winning the tournament. He's so nice and he's great, <laughs> but he's almost like too nice. And I just mm, didn't like needs an edge. Yeah, I just like didn't get really excited over his win. I know he like 
hits it really great. He's such a solid guy. And everyone that I've ever talked to has only said amazing things about him. But I, I want I want some fireworks. I want some drama. I want something when it comes to the winners in that final round. It was interesting. I mean, it got pretty tight there. And kind of mm-hmm. came down to the stretch a little bit. You know, there's you things here and there, but it was boring. I I just, when he won, I'm like, I'm happy for you, but like, yeah. where's the drama? Where's the excitement? You know, it wasn't Colin's fault. I mean, he played no. like too well. Um, I think just the previous uh, weeks, I mean, especially with Riviera, I mean, you can't have that every week where the ultimate local guy, Max Homa has a three footer to win on the 72nd green <laughs> at Riviera, you know, to make a birdie to make all these tickets come true, everything. And then he blows the three footer and then they go to a playoff. I mean, we can't have this drama every week. Colin was amazing. I think if you want to be mad at anybody on Sunday, it was probably Kepka. Like he had a chance to really put the pressure on. And then I think he was over the green. I think it, that was on 16, beautiful up and down, but he just couldn't quite do it. Victor Hovland looks like he's 17 years old. Swings so hard, that guy. I mean, an amazing player. I had a Hovland top 10, so I was... Very pleased with that effort. Um, pretty good work by my pick, Rory McIlroy, T6. Matt Fitzpatrick also showed up. But Morikawa, I just love how I love how he accelerates into the ball. Like, it seems like he's pretty deliberate going back, and then it's like, boom. Now, I couldn't pick him this week because he had this colossally bad putting week the week before. Um, he was the worst putter in the field at Riviera among those who made the cut. So I'm like, wow, can he just like flip it, turn it around like that from one week to the, the next? And the answer is yes. That's how strange putting is where he goes from like the worst guy of the top 70 players to pretty much lights out with that song grip. Well, after he won the PGA, people were saying he's going to be the next Tiger Woods. After what you saw him do at concession, do you agree with that still? Or do you think that he still has a ways to go? Well, hopefully he has a chauffeur if he's going to be the next Tiger Woods because we can't have any more of this stuff. No, I mean, nobody's the next Tiger until, uh, look, let, let's, not, let's not slap that on anybody, but he is an amazing player. He is relentless. Uh, I think somebody called him like an assassin. Like when he has the lead, uh, you feel great about it. I mean, is there a better iron player in the world right now? Uh, they are high. They are soft. Um, he is just an amazing uh, putter. So it just seems to be, I'm sorry, an amazing iron player. It just seems to be the putting where you, where you wonder a little bit, like I guess a year ago or longer, he had issues with two footers, three footers, four footers. You don't want that on your resume when you're trying to win majors <laughs> when it's tight. Uh, so before we anoint him anything, let's see if uh, his putting is for real. It's good to see two nice guys win back to back. It's like, Wins for the nice guys, because I always feel that you need to have like this edge to you to be successful. And I always felt Ian when Coulter. I was playing, yeah, like I never had that like competitive edge. And I almost felt like I was too nice to be playing golf where I was rooting for my playing competitors. I want everyone to have like a good time. And of course, I wanted to play well, but I wasn't like, I want to rip your throat out and, you know, 
dominate you on the golf course. I just never had that like killer instinct. And I, I don't feel that from like Colin. He just seems like such a nice guy where he's just like doing his own thing. So it's like, it's a win for the nice guys. You know, nice guys do finish first. Well, I think you needed uh, Tita Woods as your mom because she was definitely a, a step on your throat type woman. I mean, I love those, those tiger stories where, you know, Earl had, obviously he was the guiding force in tiger's golfing life. And I thought that part was cool in the HBO documentary. Like I had never seen the, the, the video of Earl swinging in the garage. God, what a beautiful swing he had. So no surprise that tiger adopted that, but it was Tita who was the one who was just, but it's relentless. weird because my mom is like that. Like my mom is very competitive yeah. and she was a professional ballet dancer. So she trained me at like such a high level and that was in like being homeschooled and then also with gymnastics and then with golf too. And so she was known as, you know, <laughs> no one would come up to me on the putting greens at junior golf tournaments because my mom was always there watching and they were scared of my mom. And my dad is also really competitive too. I think I just, with there was something with golf that I was not competitive with golf. I'm competitive with a lot of other things, especially yeah. like with what I do now. But with golf, I just never, never had that. Never had it. So you're saying your mom was the Tanya Harding of uh, the <laughs> ballet industry? I mean, she would, what would she just put like mean stares at her co competition? What do you do if, if you're a fiercely competitive ballerina? <laughs> survive like she'll she would tell me some stories about training um but she just wanted to be the best at everything that she would do and like i think that's the same thing with the way that she parents too both way my parents um have raised us it's like they want to be the best parents they can possibly be um and i carry that into what i do but again with golf i think it's because there's just something so tied with ego yeah. with golf that it's almost like you can't be competitive with that because i would look at <laughs> girls next to me and it didn't matter if I outworked them, if I was stronger than them, you know, more fit than them. Yes. They could still beat me. And yeah. that killed me inside because it's like with other sports, if you're not in good shape or you're not training hard, then you're not going to see results. But with golf, it really doesn't matter at all. <laughs> so I find this page with people I play golf with. Most of them are genuinely happy. Say if I'm playing well, like if I make a birdie, even if we're betting for money. And then there are a couple of guys who are totally not. Uh, I have one friend named Keon, and it seems like whenever I make a good putt to win a hole, he screams, God damn it. <laughs> so that's become the joke. Like whenever I do something good, uh, you know, he screams. I, I mean, you know, it's like 20 bucks or something, but he acts like uh, he acts like he's just lost his entire home. Um I really, I prefer playing with guys who are genuinely happy for you when you play well. And I think I am as well. Like there's, if somebody makes a birdie in my group, even if that's sticking it in my back, and even if he just like won the entire front nine and won all the skins, I'd like to think I'm a good sport. And, and you are as well when people, now, but you're not going to be that way if I beat you, right? No, I am. So when people play with me, they seem to have career rounds and they say oh. it's because I'm so supportive when they're playing with me. Cool. But again, there's just like certain people that it would hurt a little bit more when they would play well. And especially like in college when it was either with my teammates, when I knew they were out all night drinking and not doing what they should be doing. And then they would qualify ahead of me or they would play better. That hurt a little bit more because again, it's like, if I'm doing everything I need to do to be right. successful and I wasn't successful, and then you look at someone else who gives 
zero fucks about what they're doing <laughs> and they're playing well. That's what I hated so much about golf. And I couldn't, I couldn't handle that. Like yeah. I could not handle the fact that if you outwork someone, it does not matter with golf, like at all. Talent trumps everything. By the way, can we talk about virtual page? So I watched your um, YouTube uh, where you, you know, grinding McGrinderson there, uh, making nine pars on that windy day. I, I took a slight issue with you playing from the whites. Eh, you know, it's so many 340 yard par fours, a little soft. Yeah. So I did this really fun YouTube video where on perfect swing, I played myself virtually. Well, there wasn't too many options. I had to wear a polo. I couldn't find a tank top in the pro shop. Um, so I played myself <laughs> virtually and then in real life, but it was funny because when I went out to the course play, it was blowing 40 mile an hour. Ooh, I mean, it, was probably like, it was probably 20, yeah. but it was a lot of wind. And an I hour, never sure. play in weather that's not absolutely perfect. Now, if it's not like 75 and sunny, I'm like, I'll skip it. But it was <laughs> nice to like grind again. And yeah. I think that's what we saw too at concession. I'm just going to say now that course looked impossible. Yeah. So, so hard. Yeah, that really did. Um, by the way, it looked like you were hitting good knockdowns and stuff. It looked like you were making good contact, staying down on it. I haven't seen you play enough to know if that's your normal swing, but I was I was pretty impressed with that. It is. Um, between the bunkers and, uh, you know, Billy Horschel missing a fairway by a couple feet and then announcing he wanted to take his pants off. And then he ends up, you know, rolling it up and going backwards baseball cap. I mean, we like to see stuff like that, right? standard of that though if i ever said i want to take my pants off i'd be called a whore billy horschel just takes all the clothes off no yeah. issue oh yeah it's a great double standard i mean we can you know we can take 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 a whiz on the golf course it's good <laughs> to be a guy page there's no question there's we, we we get a lot more uh you know a lot more liberal attitude but if anybody is calling you names on social media can you just block them because they're a no i thrive person. off of the hate now i'm a different beast man all right you know what i'm gonna but I'm going to see if I can block them for you. People should not be name calling you, man. That pisses me off. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. We've got to talk about the Arnold Palmer, too, because that's coming up. Another hard yes. golf course. Another really oh hard golf course. The field, I was looking through the field. Okay, it's fine. I really feel like Victor Hovland's going to have a really great week. I also think that Taylor Gooch is going to have a good week. Gooch. Gooch. Tell me about Taylor Gooch. I know he's got a cool name. And his first name is, I believe, spelled T-A-L-O-R. Who, who is he? <laughs> who does that? <laughs> What's up with Taylor? What is that? Come on. I have a feeling. I have another feeling. I have got a gut a, feeling got about him. I have a good him. feeling about this. Do not okay, tweet about him, Teddy, or I will actually kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to go ahead and jinx Taylor Gooch right now. But I'm sorry, Taller. who is he? He's an American? He's young. <laughs> What's his story? Yeah, he played at OSU. He's been playing pretty decent lately. Good young talent. Okay. Um, I just think he's a good, solid top 10. Um, great value to coming mm, into that tournament. Okay. But Hovland's the guy. Coming off of last week, he's been playing really solid. He's Interesting. He's really struggling to get that get that win. A little, little Tony Finau action. <laughs> yeah, so sort of like a, he's like a Finau or almost like a Shoffley kind of guy who's yeah. struggling to close. So I had forgotten, I was looking at the scores from last year. Hopefully you haven't looked. Speaking of unusual pronunciation of names, you said it's Churl Hatton, I believe, who won this event last year. Tell me what you think he shot in the final round last year and still managed to win the Arnold Palmer Invitational. 
I know it's an insanely hard golf course and he won at four under. So he, he had to have shot probably like a 73, 72. 74. <laughs> 74. So I think my name of bet this week is going to ask, um, what are the odds that anyone will shoot four rounds in the 60s? Because it almost never happens. So Justin Ray, who is at Justin Ray Golf on Twitter, this, this guy's amazing. I was asking him, he said, three players since 1990 have shot all four rounds in the 60s. Only three years. The last one was Kevin Chappell in 2016. So holy crap, what a hard course uh, when the wind kicks up. I've never played there before. I just stayed on property once when I had some meetings in Florida, but it looked impossible. There's just something about Florida golf that I despise with everything inside me. (laughs) I grew up in Colorado on, you know, nice bent grass and you go to Florida and it's just like this gross, like twisty Bermuda. You can't chip out of it. It's sticky. Greens are really grainy. It's really hard to read those greens. And I could never, ever play well on the East Coast, especially like in Florida. That was always a trouble spot for me. I couldn't do it. Like I could not figure out how to play there. Yeah, I have like no juice at any courses in Florida. So I (laughs) rarely go down there to play. I want to play either in the Northeast or in the LA area or in Vegas or in Arizona. Can I sneak in a quick, quick question to you? So I have friends who are going down on my cousin, the spring training in Arizona, and he's looking for recommendations on public golf courses to play. Are there any that have a page special or are there any that you can mention now? Cause I think a lot of people are headed down to catch some spring training and play some golf. No, no page special. Um, so I've been practicing mostly out at talking stick. Now I love yep. that golf course, good public golf course. Um, staff there is really nice, really great. You know, it's been difficult, honestly, to find a course in Arizona for me to play and practice out. It's just so busy all the time and they're not super accommodating. So I'm lucky to be at talking stick, but once you play one of the courses, they all kind of look the same when you get that desert (laughs) landscape. So if you want something that's not deserty, I would say some really great courses would be, it depends on price point as well, especially during right now, because it's prime. So you're going to be playing decent golf courses for a pretty penny, but I would say talking sticks. Great camelback golf course, two courses out there. Both of them are really nice, not desert, uh, mountain shadows, awesome par three course. And then if you're looking for something more deserty, uh, Greyhawks also awesome two courses out there. Um, so you can play either, or they're both very different, both great. If you want to travel, you can go to Quintero, nice views, But again, if you play one desert golf course, they tend to all look the same after a while. So desert golf isn't my favorite type of golf because it's target and it's just not that aesthetically pleasing, but there are some good golf courses out here. Any golf course you play is going to be pretty decent here, man. So, so you don't like Florida. You don't like target. I I mean, we're, we're really, we're getting small here. Like how about treeline? Can you handle treeline golf courses? I love treeline golf courses. Okay. So I don't, and I love link style courses. So I always played well on link style courses because I, I'm very creative with my game and I like to work shots. And I feel yeah. like that's where you can work the most shots, especially like around the greens. Treeline courses are awesome too. I like things where I can hit it wayward and find it somehow and then hit it. That's always great for me. And so a desert golf, 
you hit it wayward and then you're in a cacti. So yeah. then you're screwed. <laughs> but I don't like that. Or if you play Florida golf, you hit it wayward, you're in the water. Yeah. So it's also not great. So I'm very particular with the golf courses that I like. If I didn't like a golf course or didn't fit my eye, I played so shitty on it. I could never just overcome it mentally because I'm a head case. Well, I'm working on the ultimate golf itinerary for you when you come to Chicago. Pretty good chance it will include Chicago Golf Club, which is like a top 10 and very linksy with incredible greens. And then I have a group we call our event the White Claw Invitational. And we go up <laughs> to Aaron Hills, which is, of course, a U.S. Open course. And then we play Sand Valley Mammoth Dunes. And my guys, my crew's expecting there to be a little page cameo there. Uh, those are very wide open courses. Uh, Mammoth Dunes has fairways that are 200 yards wide. So I think you would find it to your liking. Well, I can't wait. Uh, I'm nervous that I'm going to pick up your horrible putting and yes. some bad swing mechanics, but I think I can overcome that and we'll have a good time. It's going to be great. How many shots are you going to give me, by the way? What Are you like a one or a two? What's your index these days? So when I was playing professionally, it was around a plus four, plus three. Now I don't really keep a handicap, but I just say I'm, I'm scratched because that's the easiest way. Awesome. Seven aside. Let's go. Seven aside. <laughs> ouch. Ouch. Okay. I think I can. You saw my swing. Aside. Oh my God. What do you shoot consistently? I'm a, you, you know, I'm generally like an 87 to 91 guy. Um, I'm not giving you seven aside. You sandbagger. Seven aside. If you shoot 72. Plus 14 is 86. Sounds fair to me. I mean, we'll, we'll negotiate. I might settle for six aside, but you as a former professional, I think you should still be confident after seeing how I swing that you can beat me by 12. Oh, God. Well, we'll see. So back to Donald Palmer for yeah. a quick second. Who do you like? So I already said I think I'm liking Victor Hovland. We'll obviously give our picks tomorrow yeah. on the range with points bet, which is posted on YouTube. So you guys can go check that out. But just give someone, just, you know, someone that jumps out of you right now. I think we're going to be looking at, at, at guys who play well on ridiculously tough courses and guys who play great in the wind. Now, I was noticing um, last year, let's see. So it's usually non-Americans who do well in this event. Um, I yeah. think there have been multiple, like three or four in a row, uh, non-Americans. And that makes sense because the guys from Australia and the guys from Europe play in so much more wind uh, than the Americans do. So I, I'm not ready to commit just yet, but I'm going to be uh, definitely picking some uh, some non-bros, some non-USA guys. Um like I said, Rory McIlroy, he's he's rounding into form. Like I feel like it was only his B game, and he was still, I believe, T six as my selection last week. So uh, I can't pick Rory two weeks in a row, though. That would be boring. So we'll we'll uh, we'll sleep on it, and, and I'll come up with a good one for you. Yeah, we'll give our our picks uh, on the range. Don't forget that. And I'm also doing the Make It Rain promo. If you haven't checked that out yet, thirty rain dance. Do the Make It Rain <laughs> dance. 30 days, 30 games, $3 million and free bets. It's been pretty successful so far. People are really enjoying it. So I pick a game. You guys will pick a team. And for every three-pointer your team makes, you get $3 and free bets. I fucking nailed that. Your 17th try was the one where you got it right. I've been saying this for probably 20 days now, and I finally <laughs> nailed it. By next year, you're, you're going to really have it down. But 
I was a little disappointed. I might have thrown a little bit down on Ohio State. Ohio State did not make it rain Sunday. Four three-pointers. What the fuck up with that? Come on. Iowa blew out that team. I don't know what's going on with the Buckeyes now, but it is March. It's the best calendar flip of the year, February to March. Points bet, we're obviously planning like massive promotional money giveaways and and whatnot uh, once March, uh, March Madness hits. We'll have obviously time to talk about this, but do you love the NCAA tournament as much as I would expect you to? I love college basketball. I would say it's one of my more favorite things to watch. I haven't gone into the NBA. I just don't really have a team that I like watching. And I just like the way that they play better in college basketball. Just more exciting to me. So I love March Madness. It's one of my favorite things. I make a bracket every single year. I was actually pretty successful last year. They have like this bracket competition and I was in the top percentage of it. Not going to brag, but I do love college basketball. Who's your team? Um, so I went to Northwestern. Northwestern has been in the NCAA tournament a grand total of one time. Fortunately, I was there for it. They played in Salt Lake City. They beat Vanderbilt and then got completely hosed by Gonzaga. Um, this guy, Zach, uh, I forget his last name right now, talented big man, literally put his hand through the rim to uh, <laughs> negate a Northwestern shot. Everybody in the arena saw it, but the three officials, not cool. And then Chris Collins got a technical foul. Don't blame him. So uh, I grew up uh, loving St. John's in New York. Um, I don't think the Johnnies are having a particularly good year. I haven't thought about them in months. So um, you know who I like? Uh, University of Illinois. Now, people, if people are listening to this in my area, they're going to laugh because they think I'm such a hater for U of I. I'm kind of friends with Brad Underwood, their coach. We've played golf a couple times. So I would like to see the Illini do well. Exciting team, a lot of offense. They have a guy named uh, Io Desunmu from the Chicago area. So I might just, you know, kind of bandwagon jump and uh, get on the Illini for a bit. Mm, I love a good bandwagoner. So (laughs) I, I went to U of A and then I transferred to San Diego state and I just go back and forth depending on who's better that year. (laughs) (laughs) And they're both actually pretty decent uh, basketball programs. So it's always been fun. It was really cool when Arizona went to the final four and, uh, that was that was awesome, but no, I um, that's pretty much it. And then after that, I just root for my bracket. Exactly. Whenever people say who you're rooting for, it's the answer is simple. It's whoever you have money on, whoever can make you look good, whoever can make your wallet fatter. I mean, these old <laughs> allegiances, like you know, I grew up like if the Yankees lost a game, it would break my heart, and I'd be in a pissy mood for a couple hours, and then you realize like. Another Seinfeld reference, it's just laundry. You know, I mean, you're just rooting for laundry. So the most important thing is to be loyal to yourself and your picks. So, you know, last two weeks ago, I'm rooting for Homa. Last week, I'm rooting for Rory and Maddie Fitz and Thomas Dietrich, almost stuck in a top 20. So, yeah, we'll be rooting for wherever the Bucks are. Well, you must be excited because baseball is back now. Yeah, but like my baseball knowledge sucks. I mean, there are entire teams where I can't name a player. Um, you just can't follow everything, right? Are you a Cubs fan? Uh, I would say I am a convenient Cubs fan. So I'm in walking distance to Wrigley Field. It's just kind of more fun for the neighborhood when the Cubs are doing well. When I was working for the Tribune, I wanted to see the Cubs win because then I would go to the ballpark more often. Like, it's more fun to, to cover Cubs than White Sox just because, again, I can walk there and it's a fun atmosphere. So 
it would all kind of be based on selfish reasons. But bottom line is the most important thing is whoever you bet to start the season to win the World Series, that is the number one team you should be a fan of. (laughs) I was playing a tournament in Chicago, a charity event, and I was playing with this huge baseball fan, like diehard baseball fan. And I was like, oh, like, who's your team? He's like, oh, big Sox guy, like big Sox guy. And I was like, hmm, that's really weird. Why are you a Red Sox fan in Chicago? And he gave me this look that I have never seen before. And he didn't talk to me for the rest of the round. Yes. I, I just broke his heart. Like I, the White Sox never even crossed my mind. Yeah. Not once. So there's a total complex that White Sox fans have. They are, (laughs) you know, there'd be so many days where, you know, the Cubs or so many years, I should say, the Cubs are below 500 and there's still 39,000 people at Wrigley and the White Sox are the scrappy team that gets like no attention and no love ESPN, not intentionally, but it's like totally mistreated the White Sox over the years. Like they'll come out with graphics occasionally that completely forget that the White Sox won the world series. So you just fed into that complex so completely, so unintentionally, that's kind of hilarious, but Yeah. The White Sox fans think everybody always has it against them. Like, yeah, here, here's the classic last year. I'm talking to a Sox fan and the Sox got off to a great start last year. And he says to me, he goes, oh, you know what's going to happen this year? We're going to win the World Series. But because of COVID and a shortened season, we're not going to get the credit for it. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. You're already planning the complex. You're already saying we're going to win and nobody's going to give us credit. That is the epitome of being a White Sox fan. So I hated baseball for the longest time. And then last year with COVID, I was like, okay, I'm going to get into it. It's a shorter season. I I can make it through. And I actually got really into baseball. But the running joke was that I would just pick a team that was playing well and just bandwagon (laughs) on that team. And so this year with a full season, I don't know what I'm going to do or who I'm going to pick. So send us a DM at the Playing Around Instagram account or email us at par at iheartmedia.com. We want to hear from you guys. Give us some reasons why, who I should root for. I I need help. I need a lot of help this season. I, and I don't even know if I'm going to make it through the whole season. I like the shorter season. So I'm going to nominate the White Sox as an apology <laughs> to that fellow that you offended. Plus, it's a good color scheme. I mean, you, you like wearing black, right? I love black. Oh, so black and white. It's a cool color scheme. And honestly, this is the time to jump on the White Sox bandwagon. They have like a ridiculously good young team, massive talent. This guy named uh, Luis Robert or Louis Robert, if you want to go there, uh, his nickname is the Panther. He plays center field and like on a routine pop up to right, he covers so much ground that he's like (laughs) hip to hip with the right fielder. (laughs) I am telling you, Paige, adopt the White Sox. They need the love. It's a good team. I think they might be fourth or fifth in terms of outright to win the World Series. And, um, you know, when you come to Chicago, maybe they'll be in town. Okay. White Sox are taking a lead right now. I will pick any team or I will consider any team but the Padres. Fuck the Padres. You guys know why. We're not even going to get into it because I will get way too heated. Worst fan base in all of sports. 
worst jerseys, the brown and like puke yellow gold. No, not having it. Not the Padres. If you guys write in the Padres, I will not hear it. I will not accept it. Man, so on our content team, Ryan Arnold, I believe he's a big Padres guy. So I'm just going to set you two up like on a content call to just like, just verbally go at it. Uh, He'll win. I really have um, no um, reason why I actually really. (laughs) The color scheme. I mean, that's a good It just happened and I'm going with it now. Uh, No offense, Padres fans. I don't actually hate you. Just some of you. I dislike strongly, but we're going to take a break. And we are going to get into TNA. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary in indulges your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Hey guys, we are back with some TNA. We're starting off with a golf question. Question is, I've taken the game seriously for about 20 years now. Got pretty darn good, but I don't truly understand how the bounce-up wedges work or how to use the bounce, as they say on TV all the time. Will you please explain or give examples? Thanks in advance. This is this is a tricky one. So this one's hard without having a visual of seeing where the bounce is on the wedge. But basically, when 
you're laying it on the ground. It is that section that's laying on the ground. That's what the bounce is. And so when you use the bounce, instead of using the leading edge, which is in front of the bounce, you will dig the leading edge in and most people will get stuck. That's where they hit those like really thin shots or really fat shots. So using the bounce is basically just kind of skimming it off, almost like bouncing your club across the ground. And that's how you get those nice high shots off of those really tight lines. And so if you open the club a little bit more, then you'll be able to use the bounce a little easier. There's different degrees of bounce. You can shave it off. It's really personal to like how you work your hands through the ball. So my bounce is going to be different than your bounce and same for the next person. So if you really like to use your hands through it, flip it through, you're going to have a lot of bounce and it's always for different courses too. So guys on tour, they're going to have different bounce than even I'm going to have. They're going to actually have to have probably a lot more bounce. So it's really difficult to explain, but I like personally my bounce. I like it pretty shaved. So mine almost looks like it, there's no hard edges on my wedges. And that really helps me throw my hands through the ball. I like the way that feels. There's really no dig at all. So that is a bounce question. I think I definitely will have to do a whole YouTube video on it. Again, it is one of the most difficult things to explain without having a visual because you need to see the different bounces and what I'm talking about and what it looks like. And also you need to feel it as well. This is something that I can't really explain to you. You're going to have to go out there, maybe go to a club champion, get fit for wedges, and they can you can feel the different bounces and that's how you're going to find which one works for you. You're not just going to be able to pick it off the rack and say, oh, this bounce is this. I need to get this one. You really need to test your wedges out and feel what works for you because, again, it's a personal preference and really specific to how you work your hands through the ball and also the courses that you're playing. If you're playing courses where it's not uh, really tight lies or hard golf courses, your bounce is going to be different. So again, maybe I'll do a full YouTube video on bounce, but that hopefully cleared nothing up for you because I don't yeah. think I explained that well like <laughs> at all. It's just such a hard concept. And again, it's, it's all, it's all visual and it's really hard to explain. Uh, you lost me nine seconds into that. Um, <laughs> my bunkering philosophy is take the 60 degree swing hard and pray Sometimes it comes out high and soft, and oftentimes I scull it over the green. Yeah, it's uh, bounce bounces weird. Short game is weird. I think people overcomplicate short game so much, mm. and there's so many different techniques on how to chip or how to hit certain shots, and you just need to do what feels comfortable to you. It's it's not as mechanical as your full swing. When I'm chipping or I'm hitting certain shots, I'm not focused on the positions that I'm in. I'm letting my hands do all of the work. And especially yeah. with putting too, I think people are so focused on what they need to do and the positions they need to hit. And it's really all about feel and practice. People just don't practice their short game enough and they will just go and hit drivers for 20 minutes and go play. It's like, if you have any excess time, work on your short game, work on your putting, because you're going to save so many shots by doing so. And that's the only way you're going to get good at short game is because yeah. it is all about feel. And if you see, literally, I will see a shot, feel a shot, hit a shot. And that's how I do it. I'm not thinking, okay, I need to hit this position in the rough and I need to do this with my hands. It's all about seeing that shot and feeling that shot. Yeah, I practice about 30 minutes a year on my short game, um, which is why you're giving me six shots aside when we play. 
Oh, now it's six. Okay. I like six better than seven. 12 is my lucky number. I think that's a fair number there. Seven, seven aside sounds kind of pathetic, to be honest. <laughs> okay, Teddy, I heard you have a question for me in TNA today. Um, so my question is, uh, what's the worst bunker shot you've ever hit? Like, did you ever hit a bunker shot into the water? So I, I think I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again because I think it's funny. I was practicing when I was in high school with my mom and she would put me, she has known, she knows nothing about golf. And so she would put me in these really difficult situations where it's like a downhill bunker shot and very line. She's like, you can't leave until you hit 10 of them within two feet. Wow. And there was this incredibly difficult bunker shot and I I, I could not do it. Physically, I just could not do it. And I don't care if it was Phil fucking Mickelson. He was not going to hit it within two feet. (laughs) And so I was getting increasingly angry at my mom. And we were going back and forth. And this is when times weren't so great with us. I was, you know, 15, 16 years old. I was being homeschooled. I was hormonal. I was a I was a bitch. Like I was such a bitch to my mom and I'm sorry, mom. I was horrible. I was a horrible child and we were fighting on the practice area. And I just said, mom, like I can't, I literally cannot do this. You're being stupid right now. Like we're going to have to go. And she's like, no, like you're not leaving until you do this. And so I, she is washy back. She turned her back to me to go pick up the golf balls. And I bladed it right into her back right into her back full smile like no regret she was so mad at me you seriously didn't feel bad she's Not got like a, a dimples bit. in her back <laughs> she was so and my mom she never gets mad like she never ever gets mad she's only yelled at me two times in my entire life wow. and that was one of the times wow that is amazing there, there's so much interesting material there you purposely blade a wedge <laughs> to hit your mom. And that's one of only two times she's gotten mad at you. Fascinating. As somebody who has daughters, I yell at my kids two times an hour. So I, I appreciate her restraint. <laughs> Anytime my mom is really mad, she goes, I'm so mad I could spit. And I know after she says that, <laughs> that I'm just going to get yelled at. And like, that's the cue for being yelled at. I think the other time was when I lied about my homework. At one point. So that, that, those That's were the it? two times. Man, you were a good girl growing up, huh? If you're not like, if those are the times that, that you got under her skin. You know, when I say I was a bitch to my mom, I, I was. I definitely was very sassy. But I could have done a lot worse. I yeah. never really got in trouble. I was very scared of my parents. And that was probably the one time that I did something that I, like, that was bad. Like, it was really bad. And I, I did not feel sad or mm. bad or anything about it whatsoever well for a future tna i am going to explore um i could ask some probably questions about guys with you getting to know each other a little bit better i want to find out if um you know if this is for real that you never did anything with a guy or drinking as a teenager to get your uh, to get your parents upset but i think we'll save that for no. a future app right i literally went to college as a freshman being homeschooled not knowing what alcohol was I asked what hard alcohol was at my first college party. Yeah, I'm sure you found out pretty quickly. It was rough. I didn't drink until like a while into it because I was so, 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 so scared I was going to get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. And then one sip and I was a different person. (laughs) And then things started to get a lot more fun.
<laughs> Life was great. I don't remember much of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. We always love the support. I also want to take the time to say I loved your feedback and how kind you were with this new direction and everything that we're doing. Do you want to clarify, though, that uh, we're going to be mixing it up. We're going to be doing things that are different and trying to make it interesting and uh, having really great guests on as well. So I know you guys were concerned that it was only going to be sports all the time, 24-7, and that's not it. I'm still going to get open and honest and personal about my life. We're going to have some laughs. We're going to make it fun. Um, but again, just... Uh, changing the direction a little bit. And so I'm glad you guys liked the first episode. Hopefully you also enjoyed this one. So keep on listening and you can find us here next time. Love this page. Thank you. Thank you. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.